Okay, I sounded like a sad sack, appropriately, to be honest, because I have been pretty miserable over the last couple of weeks. I promised myself not to get too miserable when I was recording this, but, you know, some, some crappy stuff has happened, and I'm going to drink a cup of tea while I'm recording this, because nothing is more uh, English than having a cup of tea to get you through the bad times and that is something that over here in New Zealand we have absolutely picked up so oh yeah and just for those of you who are listening wondering how I take my tea because it is very important um for those of you who care about that kind of thing you know that you really care about that sort of thing so I take my tea uh with a splash of milk and a sugar uh and I have English breakfast. Uh, my preference in tea is actually the English breakfast that Harrods does. Um, I've never found a nicer tea than that. But of course, I don't live in England. So getting a cup of uh, Harrods English breakfast is pretty hard. I need someone to literally go overseas and pick me up a tin, which is kind of extreme and basically impossible right now. So. Anyway, look, this is what happens uh, when I don't have any kind of control around myself. Uh, there's going to be a lot of rambling. Let me start by explaining why I don't have any control over myself. Um, so I don't have a PC right now. Nope, no PC. This is being recorded with my phone and some earbuds with one of those like microphones in it that you use to like talk to people while you're moving around so I don't know how this is going to sound so you're just going to have to deal with it though because this is my only option <laughs> my computer decided to explode uh, yep I mean that's pretty drastic but that seems to be essentially what it did the graphics card decided to shut down uh, at, in the middle of me setting up my brand new $500 audio interface with condenser mic that I bought a stand for and a pop filter for, so I was gonna sound awesome, uh, the graphics card decided to crap itself, which I don't even think has anything to do with the fact that I plugged in an audio interface that is USB powered. It really shouldn't, I don't think, but you know, maybe it does. I don't know anything about computers. All I know is that luckily I bought the extended warranty on my computer and so I can claim the explosion um, that happened and hopefully get either a repair or a replacement but because I live in New Zealand everything takes an inordinate amount of time because there isn't like a repair company like just here we have to send the PC away to somewhere I don't even know where it takes like at least a week to get there it sits in a queue waiting for it to be worked on because like obviously all of these things are being sent away for you know to be looked at uh, and then it'll be like another week after they get it at least before they even maybe look at it and that's like good time frames so they're saying like two weeks before I know if it's repair or replace now I'm getting um, I've, I've I'm hit a week uh, so I've, I've got at least another week but I may have another three because they're saying two to four weeks before I know so I don't I didn't really know what to do so for the last two weeks I've just kind of been crying to myself a little bit um so yeah yep yep it took me a few days before I even took it into the shop so that's why for the last two weeks so anyway I don't have a PC I don't have any way of editing myself I have to pretty much record straight into Anchor now and just load it so Welcome to the show as it is now. It's going to be long and rambly and not very fancy. Uh, deal with it. 
<laughs> I hope, don't, that's so mean. Um, please listen to me, even though I have technology problems. Um, I hear there's lots of podcasts out there that are recorded uh, with a phone pretty much only. Some of them are even recorded while they're driving. So maybe, maybe people still listen to me. <laughs> anyway, uh, the other thing that's happened that made me cry a little bit and made me run out of time to do stuff is that my flatmate announced he was moving out in two weeks uh, and that was two weeks ago. So he's gone now and I still don't really have a flatmate to replace him despite the fact that I've been interviewing like crazy um, because apparently everybody who wants to live with me is just weird and asks weird questions. Um, like, is there, is, is there somebody living in your lounge? To which my answer is no, because people don't live in lounges. And they were like, can someone live in your lounge? And I was like, no, get out of my house. Like, why are you wasting my time? Uh, <laughs> I've just had a lot of just weird people looking at the flat. Uh, I had a couple of good people look at the flat, but they turned it down because there's not actually a lot of sun in my house, which is sad. And I hate that too, but um, it does make it awfully hard to sell to people so I've been dealing with that um it's not really an excuse I probably could have fit in like how to do a podcast somewhere um not a podcast on how to do a podcast because that I I don't know enough to do that I just mean I could have fit in um an episode of a podcast somewhere I guess if I tried harder but it just really all got a bit hard uh so sorry also most of my notes because I do everything in like word because I'm old school, um, are currently on a hard drive in the computer store where they took everything off my computer for me, and that's great. So I still have everything, um, but they have it. I don't have it. So I've got a bunch of stuff that I can't access right now, uh, which is really frustrating. Um, and so all of my plans for upcoming episodes and stuff just aren't going to happen. So that happened as well. And all of that just resulted in this. Yep, this. Whatever this is, uh, this is what you're getting now. I hope you like it. Anyway, uh, so that and thinking about what that meant for podcasts going forward, because I don't really know when I'm going to be able to podcast normally, um, meant that when I saw RPG A Day pop up, on somebody else's um, feed and they were talking about how they might consider doing RPG a day on their podcast I was like you know what that would be easier right now I know that seems kind of backwards that recording something every day would be easier uh, but I you know I, I research quite a lot to do my Jules episodes and it really is quite hard when you're researching and trying to copy things over and to like you know, like um, Google Drives and, and notepads and all of these things and you're trying to um, make notes on various different pieces of paper. I've lost the notes that I tried to make um, for an episode twice because I kept throwing out the scraps of paper in my handbag. Um, this is why you don't throw anything out of a handbag, by the way. See, I knew I was wrong to clean my handbag. So I'm just, I'm just going to scrap jewels for a month. Yep, that's what that's what I'm gonna do. You heard it here first. I'm going to do RPG a day takeover of Jules from NZ. So that's happening. Okay, so what is RPG a day? Because I know you're wondering now. You're like, well, you, you said that RPG a day was going to take over for Jules from ENZ, but we don't even know what that means. Okay, so I have never done it before, but um, when I started thinking about doing a podcast of my own was at the time of year last year when a bunch of um, RPG podcasters that I admire and respect all were doing it. So the, what it is is essentially you get given a word um, to talk about every day for a month and the words are like taken kind of from in and around um, TTRPG like games or making them or designing them or playing them or whatever 
um, or just ripping them apart and putting them back together again, whatever you um, want to talk about essentially. But the word is a prompt to create an episode around the word. So um, I'm not going to tell you any of the words because that's the whole idea. I'm supposed to kind of look at the word on the day and then make a podcast episode about what I think for that day. So they'll be short and little and quick, um, just uh, my thoughts around what that word means to me or what thoughts it generates in my brain, um, and then maybe a little special something. So I was thinking about um, actually trying to take an RPG character through like a little mini solo kind of adventure for you guys um, using the words to kind of make things happen to them. It's an interesting thought for myself. It might actually be quite a lot of work. I might not see this through to the end, but I quite like the idea. And it wouldn't have to be very much. It'd just be a little bit of a, a line or two about what happens to the character uh, that day. So it's like a little mini continuing story, something to listen along to, to find out what happens to this poor character for the month of RPG a day. So I don't know. Could be fun. That's what I'm thinking about anyway. Tell me if you think that's a good idea. Tell me if you think that's a bad idea. Tell me if you think I should never podcast again. Please don't actually tell me that. See, this is why I need an editing tool. What am I talking about? Okay. Anyway, I want to talk to you about some other stuff now. So, yep, that's RPG a day and what it means and why I'm doing it and what I'm hoping to achieve with it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to press stop on this section. edit themselves do they just delete whole sections okay no see you're getting back off track again um so I want to talk to you about some other stuff now I have played some games I've played some games recently and you've probably heard um people talk about them because they're way more organized than me and put out their podcasts more regularly than me but I I want my time too so meh um listen to me talk about stuff because I played Monster Hearts and it was awesome. I really want to talk about that. Um, the problem is, is I don't have the <laughs> the game stuff in front of me because get let, let me see if you can guess where it is. Yeah, that's right. It's on the hard drive at the shop. Um, so I just have my game notes here in front of me, the notes that I make. And luckily I do actually make quite a few notes when I'm playing a game because I'm, if I'm interested, I want to make sure I remember things. Um... I want to make sure that I write down things that I think might be important for me to remember about what my character does or has or said about themselves. Like quite often when I'm like improving off the cuff about who my parents are or what I think about something, I'm, I actually better write it down because I'll completely contradict myself in the very next sentence. So I tend to take a few notes. So let me tell you about what I made. Um, I made a witch. Um, her name was Lilith. Um, she was, um, hot two, cold, negative one, volatile, negative one, dark two, which essentially means that she gets to add those things or take those things away from the rolls that she makes when she rolls. And from what I remember, I'm sorry if I get this wrong, you were rolling pretty much just 2d6 pretty much every time, um, when you're making a roll, uh, and how well you roll, obviously on the dice, higher is kind of better, lower is like kind of has penalties, but like middle was really interesting because middle has these like it works, but it, it you get a thing happen to you when the thing works. So like it works, but you, they get a string on you as well. Like and a string means that they can kind of do things to you or make you do things or whatever um, later. So it was really interesting the kind of the scale of how things worked, how well things worked. Yeah, I found that really interesting. Anyway, um, so the characters that I were playing with, Lenora was played by Liren, who was a ghost. Silas was played by Steven, who was a ghoul. And Kane was played by Joey from Hindsightless, who was playing an Infernal. Um, and I really enjoyed watching their characters play things out. Like, 
Laren going full see-through when um, she went to her darkest self um, and couldn't be seen by us, couldn't affect us in the real world. She had to go full-on poltergeist to try and get our attention. You know, that was really fun to watch. Stephen went like full ghoul and he was like eating people's fear and like wandering around and really feasting on that, um, going crazy um, and like losing himself kind of in the process. It was like cool to watch. Uh, and Joey was infernal. So he was just like running around making deals with his like demon God or whatever to get more strings and more power and more abilities on us and stuff. And my character was running around trying to hex people, but I didn't really read the rules probably. And I didn't realize you can't like you, you can not only hex people that you have strings on or tokens of cause the witch gets tokens of people rather than strings. Um, but you can actually hex people you don't have tokens on if you just dead stare them in the eye and like whisper words while you're looking at them, which means everybody knows you cast a spell on them. But like that could have been really fun to play out and I didn't because I'm dumb, basically, and I just didn't read it properly. But you know, in my defense, it was my first time playing the game. So next time I will totally do that. But I got to basically um like I decided really early on some of my relationships was like um I <laughs> I was a Tumblr based witch like I'd seen witches on Tumblr and I liked the look of them and I just dressed like them and I wanted to be them and I saw them doing candlelight spell rituals and stuff so I just kind of copied that <laughs> like myself and then took pictures of myself for Tumblr and posted like dark edgy quotes with like you know skull and um you know, pentagram backgrounds and stuff. Like, um, I really enjoyed like playing to that kind of character. Uh, and I had decided I had a crush on a cute boy with that wore eyeliner that just hung around the library. Um, but I didn't even know his name because I'd never actually introduced myself, which was fun because um, Jeff uh, DM had did a really good job of um, that's Jeff from Time of All Domes, but um, did a really good job of like bringing those characters into the game and. Um, eventually finding out that that guy's name was Alistair and he was totally a vampire um and when I walked into the library on him he was like noshing on um, a teacher I didn't like very much and I just got like overwhelmed with like um the lust condition and just like basically has to had to have Alistair now one of the things about Monster Hearts that I've heard people talk about is how like the sex in the game can be really uncomfortable because like there's sex moves um and like it's very encouraged for you to kind of play that up but I just don't think that it has to be filthy like played up so I was like cool yeah all right <laughs> like I got the sex um, I got the lust condition and so she was feeling very lustful and I was like well the logical thing to do here is she jumps his bones like and like just kind of flattens him over a desk and then they tumble off and they end up doing it on the corpse of this teacher that he's just like drained dry and we were all just sitting there just like in hysterics and kind of laughing about it it wasn't awkward at all it was funny and um it enabled a lot of really like like silly kind of role play and visuals and stuff it didn't you know like I just don't think Monster Hearts has to be awkward if you put yourself in a position where you're not like making the players spell everything out because some people are more uncomfortable so they don't want to do that so it's all kind of they just sort of mechanically tell you about what's happening um I have like no filter and no bubble on that oh hi hi cat hello how you doing? Anyway, um, I have no filter and no bubble on that. So I was just like, yeah, dude, like, you know, I'm jumping his bones. I'm going for gold. I'm just like, <laughs> you know, I'm like pushing him all over there, dude. You know, like, and that was kind of fun and everybody just relaxed and chilled and it was great, you know. Um, it was funny later, actually, because, you know, we, it got even more graphic later because we went to a party where there was alcohol and lots of young teenagers around. Um, and so, of course, like parties are like a hotbed of that kind of situation. Um, and uh, me and a female witch got a bit freaky up against a tree, you know, and and again, everybody was kind of laughing and joining in and. Like, you know, there was there was um, some sex that happened because of the sex move that I pulled and stuff. Um, and it was just, I don't know, like, it's if this is making you feel really uncomfortable to listen to, I'm sorry. But, like, it was really fun um, and really clean. And that's a really word 
weird word to use about a game that deliberately has sex moves, but Jeff is very good at um, just kind of making stuff happen. And yes, it happened and we all know it happened and we all know what it, that looks like, but we don't need to get filthy on it. It was just kind of clean and pretty simple and well explained and, and we just had a bit of sense of humor about it and laughed about it. And maybe that's a testament to the amazing group that I played with, but I don't know. I think it can be set up like set up well. I think it just requires a good DM and Jeff is an amazing DM. Um so uh if you haven't had the chance to play with him yet, definitely do. Um I would happily play Monster Hearts again. Um, I think I would be a little fussy on who I played it with. I think I would try and play it with people I knew. I'm not sure that it was a game that I would sit down with people I didn't really know straight out. Like I didn't know Steven when he joined the game at all. He was brand new. But um, by the end of the game, we, we were getting along like a house on fire. Um, but I think that's a testament to the fact that there were three people there that I did know and I had previous kind of relationships and chatting with and, and respect for. So um maybe that's got something to do with it but um I did learn um a lot about the, the, the they just don't have a lot of rules this game and I liked that you know like the fact that all the rules are kind of on a couple of pages and you really didn't need a lot to play it um I I would be a little more nervous running it like setting up those relationships and that that relationship map um, seems to me like it, it would be a bit more work and would definitely take a bit of practice. But um, playing it, I would be happy to play that again and step in and just kind of low-key, not a lot of prep work. You could just step in and it's a lot of just improvising and having fun and going with offers that other people give you. So yeah, really, really enjoyed that. But if that's not your jam, I can understand why Monster Hearts might not be your game. But yeah. Monster Hearts, play it, give it a go, love it. Thumbs up from me. I also played my first one-on-one uh, -on -one game as a DM. Uh, Joey had one-on-one DM'd me um, with Romance of the Perilous Lands a while back and kind of really owed him um, that experience because I found that really fun and I thought he was a really good DM for being that there was only really one person there so I really wanted to kind of pay back the favor so we did that um, I know you can hear he talks a bit about it on um, his hindsightless episode um, but yeah it was it was very easy um, to run I really loved the little um, one shot from D&D Duet I need to find out what the name of it is again. Um, I feel like it's First Blush. First Blush? Yeah, I feel like it's First Blush. Um, or something very like that. Um, I Again, it's on my PC. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was, it was really good. It was a really comprehensive little module. I read it the day before and then ran it the next day because everything you needed to know was in it, and it was great. Um, but I really only said this whole thing because Joey calls in with a call that I don't think I've played anywhere. I don't think I have. So I'm just going to put it in here. Uh, and if I have played this before, sorry, I've played it twice. Hey, Jules, it's Joe. And I am so, so happy you had fun in the 20th level game. Uh, it was an amazing experience. I'm really glad you were there to share in it. If I ever do something that crazy again, which I don't know, I will. You are on my short list of people to call. Uh, also, I am so just over the moon happy for you that your group is coming together. The fact, the way they're gelling together. Uh, I love that you're going off book a little bit, adding your own flair and style to Ghosts of Salt Marsh. That's perfect. Uh, and how sweet of them to give you the monster manual. That, oh, god damn, that just melted my stone heart. <laughs> anyway, from everything I can hear, you're doing an amazing job. I'm out of time. Peace out. Thanks, Joey. I love my group, the Polly's Angels. Um, I love them so much. Um, and I'm really having fun learning how to be a DM for a campaign that is hopefully ongoing for a while so um figuring things out and it's it's been a really good time and um i love them um and saying that 
Polly's Angels, if you're listening now, you need to turn this off now, okay? There's going to be some spoilers. I don't want you to listen to this. If you listen to this, this is your own fault. Consider yourself warned. And I'm a teacher and I will know. Okay, now that they're gone, uh, I'm going to give you some information about my group because I really want to kind of talk about what I'm doing and their storylines and what I'm thinking and see what you guys think about that. Um, I really just want to talk about it because I don't really have anybody to talk about it to. So I want to talk to you about it. So I'm going to give everybody a little section where I tell you a bit about their backstory um, that they gave me and um, some plans that I kind of have for them in and, and around that. So I hope this is interesting. Okay, so first up is Hapa Olianthe Toran. Uh, Erica is playing this character and it is a female fighter half elf. Um, so basically, I when I asked for everybody's backstories I got them to give me backstories around three points and I said that I didn't really want more than a sentence ish a couple of sentences on each point um, which would allow us to make the backstories together during the game it doesn't mean that I was going to be the only one making the points from there but it did mean that I didn't want them to think too hard about what was happening beforehand because I wanted it to kind of come out as we were playing, as they discovered how to play. Because bear in mind, these guys were newbies, so they didn't know what they might be interested in. And I didn't want to lock them into a backstory that they then wished that they could change based on things that they found out in the future. So um, I got them to give me three points. So one of the points is a flaw or a secret, a secret with the character. So Harper's was that, um, that never learned how to swim. Like, because they were raised by dwarves in a much more landlocked area. So they don't know how to swim. And they're in salt marsh for a campaign, bear in mind. So out on a lot of boats and stuff. So it does get kind of interesting when talking about that with Harper kind of secretly, um, well, with Erica kind of secretly about Harper, um, when they're out on the boat and stuff. And I'm like, so how's Harper feeling? You know, and she'll just kind of tell me, like, not great. Like, Harper's kind of in their cabin like chilling you know like that kind of stuff you watch the kind of the puzzlement on the rest of the party's faces which is kind of fun you know to have that little secret so um I asked them about a person from the past like that they know or are they dead and I said they could be dead or alive it's just someone who would be important to them and they said it was a past male dwarven companion who would teach them how to fight um, and after the village that they lived in was attacked, they both went to find who did it and they became separated. So when searching for her companion, she came across the fishing village, like Saltmarsh, um, about eight months ago. So that was her story. Uh, the only other thing I asked them all to give me is a personal item that they carried on them that wasn't anything to do with, like, anything on their character sheet. Just something they carried on them they could have a story about why or they could have nothing about why uh, and she said a simple carved owl made from wood and when I asked her about that she was like I don't have a reason <laughs> I just have it and I was like great I love that sort of stuff because it gives me room to play right so here's what I'm kind of thinking about writing for Harper based on what I got so she ha hasn't found her companion or who destroyed her village she would be thinking about it despite the fact that she's been in salt marsh kind of hooked up with the soldiers learning how to better defend herself better fight and all of these kind of things she's still probably been thinking about this right so I'm you know like I'm going to basically put stories in her path about other villages that have been attacked in really similar ways so I said oh well what happened to your village and she was like I don't know maybe fire I don't know I'm not sure you can make that up so I think we're going to go with fire like raised to the ground um but left a certain symbol behind so someone has like done it on purpose kind of like it's definitely a purposeful attack um 
And so she's going to hear other stories about other villages being burnt down, um, a dwarf who is seen in the vicinity of these other villages and stuff. And she's, I'm kind of going to start dropping hints, like maybe he had actually something to do with it, like so that she's not actually sure if the, her companion, who she would, you know, she trusted, actually maybe was the bad guy, like, you know. And I actually haven't decided if he is or if he isn't. I just know that's what I'm going to do. Um, hoping that she'll kind of take those like hints and and follow that to see kind of where it leads for Harper that's all I really have right now I'm giving them all presents in the next session um little presents because they've been playing for a while now and they just deserve little presents and I'm going to make them presents that hopefully will level with them um, as their character grows or give their presents little extra things so Harper's present um she took a uh she took some money to the blacksmith in the last session and she kind of asked not in the last session a few sessions ago and she asked for the blacksmith to make her a nice short sword because she's a fighter she wants to she wants to dual wield she wants to short swords that are like cool um and I was like okay but the blacksmith's not magical so they can't do anything magic with it and she was like yeah that's cool just make it fancy um we had a big discussion about that in character with the blacksmith about what she thought fancy meant or whatever. And the blacksmith kind of nodded and sort of said, yeah, 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 I'll figure something out. So they left to go on like a little adventure. And when she gets back uh, in the next session, like in two days, I get to give her her short sword. So I've decided that the blacksmith has made this short sword with throne properties. So it's so finely like balanced and like well made and it's like engraved with a little owl on it because you know wooden owl token um uh that it actually kind of can be sort of thrown like a dagger essentially can but still does short sword damage um that's it for now i have this idea that in the future um like as she levels and and things kind of happen to her, um, maybe through her god, maybe through something else. I haven't quite figured that out yet. Um, it like it would gain the ability to return to her as well. So it would like fly out like a dagger and then go back into her hand. Um, might end up like a plus one sword. It, like those kind of things. Um, every few levels I'd give it something else. And that way it becomes more powerful as she becomes more powerful. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking for Harper. So yeah, tell me if you think that's cool or not. I don't know. Is it dumb? Is it cool? I don't have no idea anymore. But yeah, that's Harper. Okay, so now let's talk about Wolfric O'Donnell. Um, Wolfric O'Donnell, played by Devon, is a paladin um, dwarf, paladin. Uh, and he took the Oath of Vengeance. Um, and his god is Helm, the god of protection. So um, interesting choices there, um, basically because Devon actually started with Polly Proudfoot, the halfling rogue that um, was the first character to die. Uh, so <laughs> Devin decided to build a character that not only would be hard to kill, um, but is all about protecting others. Um, like, and then built that into his backstory. So um, his secret is that during a drunken rage in Wolfric's youth, his brother Brandon was like seriously injured and now relies on his parents for full-time care. So that basically caused Wolfric to change his super destructive ways and seek to become a paladin to take the oath of vengeance to right the wrongs of his past, you know? So kind of gives me like some fun stuff that happened in his past, like some fights that he will have had drunkenly along the way that will probably come back to haunt him, um, that he will have to make right. So it means that when we go to like new towns or whatever, I could totally be like, well, Frank, you've been here before and um, you actually pissed off the innkeeper. He's not like your biggest fan, you know. He's got this quest that you have to do to make things right now. And that's kind of how I'm thinking about playing that because Wilfred, um, Devin like really wants to play Wolfric as like on that path to um to fix their life to to be able to go home and look his brother Brandon in the eye again um 
and be like, I'm better. Like I'm a better person now. Um, so I think that will be kind of a cool story to watch play out. So obviously his important person is his younger brother, Brandon, um, which we haven't really talked much about because like Wolfric and Devin are both like people who keep things close to the chest. So um, I'm just kind of working on, with Devin on like pulling things out slowly, just dropping little bits and pieces in um, because his his special thing is the bottle of grog that he had to his lips when he decided to give up drinking. Um, he kind of carries it around sort of like on his hip to remind him of the monster he once was. Um, but it means that he has this like flask on his hip that he never drinks from. Um, and I've definitely mentioned that before. And I've left that up to him how he responded. But I was like, you you all do Sam Thursday and Wolfric does have a hip on his flask that he's not offering you. And they were like, yeah, what's the deal with that, dude? And he's just like, oh, it's empty. You know, like, I just let him play that out. Um, but I think that could be really fun to um, to play with in the future. Anyway, so his gift. Um, he didn't really tell me much about his holy symbol um, or how that all as a paladin kind of worked. Um, but he did tell me that his fighting style is like dueling. Um, and so like, it's all about melee and that kind of thing. So, um, and being able to use two weapons. So I really don't want to give him like a shield or something like that. Cause that seems like it might be kind of dumb. So I kind of want to link it to his holy symbol. And I started looking at, um, what the symbol of Helm, the God of protection actually is. And it's a little staring eye upright on the left gauntlet. So I think I'm going to make that metal. Um, and that it kind of pops out of the gauntlet and pops back in, kind of like clips in or whatever. So he can pull it out and use it in his hand if he wants to, and then he can kind of clip it back in. Um, I'm going to make um, his holy symbol have different things that it can kind of do, like either buffs that it gives him or abilities. He can say a word and it does a thing. That's kind of what I'm thinking. And um, The first one that I'm going to do is actually directly linked to his character sheet and some stuff that he has on his character sheet in terms of spells and stuff that he's never used. And I kind of want to encourage people to go back to their character sheet and just not rely on old reliable I swing axe or whatever. Um, so he has a spell on there that's called Compelled Jewel. Um, and it basically makes them fight you one-on-one. -on -one, like kind of defending the others, which I see, think seems really in keeping with Wolfric and his character. So um, I am going to say that his holy symbol, once a day, he can um, kind of use that to, when casting Compelled Jewel, um, they get disadvantage on the saving throw once a day. Uh, and see kind of how that goes and whether he uses it or not. And if he doesn't use it, I'll give him something else the next time it levels. Um, but I just thought that might be a little thing that isn't like people talk about game breaking, but you know, it isn't crazy powerful at this level, but could be really fun to encourage him to use those other protection skills and stuff that he has. So yeah, that's Wolfric. Okay, next I want to introduce you to our cleric. Uh, played by Bree, um, the, their name is Emmy Greg, and they are a half-elf cleric. Uh, they are a Tempest cleric, um, and actually they're a Tempest cleric that is chaotic evil with a criminal background. Um, all of that is quite confusing, <laughs> um, but kind of not really when you know Bree. Uh, breathe the person. Um, so let me tell you about uh, what they decided, what they sent to me about their backstory. So they kind of decided everything about the thing that they carried. Uh, so she was, she started writing about the thing and realized the thing kind of told everything that I needed to know about the backstory, which kind of is how it happens sometimes. So she said, something Emmy carries that isn't on her equipment list is a dead-pressed Gerbera Daisy from her dead twin sister that she didn't intend to kill. Uh, <laughs> and I love the first sentence. It's a potion gone wrong kind of thing. Think full metal alchemist type of accident. That's how she became a criminal. Word got out that she killed her sister while trying a new spell that would be the cure for everything and it exploded. And then she got targeted and in her grief and self-loathing, she fully lashed out and was known as the greatest criminal of all time in her hometown. Um, which is typical, like, you know, first level stuff. 
Um, <laughs> the greatest criminal of all time in her hometown. Um, but also I'm, I'm first level. Uh, so I kind of like ran with some of that. Obviously she is a criminal. Obviously she was stealing. She was pretty selfish. She was using people. She um, like you know did did all sorts basically to get to salt marsh but she's not really doing a lot of that in character now um so that's really interesting she is quite selfish she's constantly trying to nick things um from the other players so they don't really notice um her spells and stuff that she uses she's not really caring if she targets like her fellow players or any innocent civilians um in the vicinity that kind of stuff but um I really kind of want to play on that dark side of Emmy um, and that that whole self-guilt, like really pulling herself into a spiral kind of thing with her. Um, so I, I'm going to play with that. Like she's given me like classic soap opera dead twin sister that she didn't intend to kill. Um, and I really want to go full, full soap opera with this. I'm going to say that the twin sister she killed yes but the twin sister kind of set her up to kill her because in order for the dead twin sister to get the thing that she wanted she kind of had to die from somebody else killing her in a way like that like it had to be a violent death that she received in order to get the power or the whatever it is that she wanted in order to go on and achieve the things that she wanted to achieve. Now, I'm not quite sure how all of that works, but I am definitely going to give um, Emmy nightmares about her um, her dead twin sister, um, like have kind of these like edge of vision snippets in scary situations that like her twin sister is there um when she's not and that kind of stuff so she'll be like beating herself up because it's like ghost situation thinking that but maybe she's not actually a ghost maybe she's definitely come back as something much worse um and pretty powerful now so I'm not really sure how that plays out and I don't think I really need to know how that plays out right now because I'm just going to give her those little snippets um and let her kind of see what she does in reaction to that um and see how she plays it out uh I I I would love for them to meet at some point well down the line but I don't really know how that plays out in my head either and I don't yeah like I say I don't think I need to know right now I'm I'm gonna figure that out but uh I do know that she said to me she didn't really know much about the gods or any of that kind of stuff so I could take care of kind of that so I've decided to give her the god of destruction to follow is it groomish or something like that I don't know how you say that but um, that makes sense because it's a Tempest Cleric kind of god. Um, and also it sort of fits her like very kind of aggressive sort of like lash out play style. So yeah, we're going to do some work around that as well, I think. Um, and she told me that she wants to multi-class as a level and bard. Um, because she really enjoys like kind of performing and sort of deceiving and a bit of mind screwy stuff um, as well. So um, she wanted to kind of go move into a little bit of bard for that. So her uh, logical at this choice and um, at this point choice for a present for her character would be a musical instrument because currently she obviously does not have one because she didn't start off as a bard it's a thing that she's kind of picking up so I want her to literally pick up the level kind of in bard in game so I'm gonna introduce a music stand I'm gonna get her to pick a um a musical item while she's there at the stand and have the stand owner be some shady um, mysterious kind of evil sort of cackling um, dude or dudette uh, who warns of like you know powerful use of this instrument but beware it's like costly and blah 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 you know like I want to kind of play it off like that and see how she sort of interacts with that let her pick the weapon but um yeah weapon <laughs> let her pick the instrument um and then we'll kind of play uh, with what it does from there I have I have ideas about it 
like being storm based weapon and having like the abilities to do all sorts of stormy type stuff the same as her but she can already do a lot of that so I sort of um want to get a bit creative with that and and to start with it might be as simple as like advantage to performance roles when she's using that instrument or whatever but um I want to get kind of crazy with it like have it take a couple of turns like um because Fate of Eisen Marley has a saxophone um that two turns and I can basically drop a crap ton of necrotic damage um after taking two full turns of concentrating by playing this instrument um so something like that, kind of do that kind of stuff. I have to look about building um, like musical kind of instruments and things that I could do with that. I have to look into that a bit more. But for now, that's what I've got. That's what I've got locked down. I'd love to hear your ideas on cool things that I could give a Tempest Cleric um, that I could kind of like, you know, as I go, I could level. So something maybe for now, something maybe for later, like whatever. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, feel free to... Um, pop in with that stuff yeah okay so that's emmy okay next up is celestia uh played by millie uh celestia is a dark elf or drow sorcerer um again millie didn't really play much before and so there was a lot of gaps to begin with when building the character um and we kind of worked some things out as we went um so but she already kind of knew that her secret was that she was running away from her past um in terms of like celestia is her real name but a lot about the rest of her had changed and is kind of a disguise like she kind of already knew that when she built the character um and we've sort of figured out a few things since then together um and then i've figured out a few things kind of on my own um about what i think about her story as well so she decided that she actually she fell into some trouble back home and that's what she's running away from um she fell for a um sakai elf sakai elf i don't know help me with pronunciation people um anyway who had promised to help her develop her natural source of powers that she possessed due to her dragon kind of heritage background and he wasn't bad but he had some rough connections which caught up to him um he taught her as much as he could in the time they had together but when he realized they were going to be caught he shattered his moonstone that he used to draw his powers from and gave half of it to celestia and held on to the other half himself and that way when he was captured he wouldn't be able to be manipulated into using his powers against his wishes um and celestia would also have something to remember him by in case she never saw him again right so this is what she sent to me. And I was like, interesting, because she doesn't really know a lot about the lore and stuff or the background and stuff um, with drows. And to be honest, neither really do I, because none of my um, previous games have been at all interested in using the standardized lore and have just kind of made everything up as we've gone along. And so I have never really, really delved into the super um matriarchal structure of the drow and stuff but it's something that I'm kind of looking into now because it, it interests me and I want to learn about it so um about this this world that that wizards made um around this so I'm I, I've been doing some work into this and so the fact that she was being taught by a dude elf um would definitely have had some repercussions and maybe that's part of the why um he has been taken um because you know dude elves with with um magic powers like moonstones and that kind of stuff that would be pretty frowned upon by um you know traditional drow society and stuff so maybe that's got something to do with it they don't necessarily know i've decided that they don't really necessarily know who he was training um but they know he was training someone so they're like they've been trying to torture him to get that out of him or whatever uh the other thing i've kind of decided about celestia because uh, she left a lot to me um was that 
she's sort of kind of royal but like in the way of like she's 16th to the line she's just like one of the princesses basically but she never knew that because she was just brought up outside of the palace sort of bastardized outside of that kind of structure and um, when she ran away it was very much she was running away because like she didn't really have parents and this guy was kind of looking after her and she just kind of ran to the surface to get away from that whole thing because she was like Woo, trouble run um but she doesn't know that people are actually looking for her um, because they've figured out who she kind of is and now they don't really know what she looks like, but they know she exists somewhere in the world and that she's probably on the surface. So um, they're going to be like torturing this elf and maybe getting more things out of him kind of as it goes in terms of who she is or how to find her and stuff, which will mean that they get closer and closer to her as they kind of go. Um, and so there's a lot of um room kind of to play with her backstory there like um like people looking for another drow like is she hiding the fact that she is a drow she's not currently um so uh there might be rumors about how people are looking for a drow and then she might have to think about what she does about that um there might be people asking her about her background that's going to be awkward for her because she doesn't really want to talk about it because she's hiding from that so um and and maybe she thinks she's in trouble for reasons that she's not in trouble for so um yeah it's like really this whole interesting thing and then we were talking about her her god and whether she wanted one or whether she didn't and she kind of had seen some pictures of the goddess Lolf um and she kind of liked her and I was like ha convenient because obviously Lolf is pretty big in the whole drow thing so um perfect um I've decided to kind of link her into that too in a whole sort of massive way because if you've been reading this Ghost of Saltmarsh book where um later in the in the campaign they actually go on board a ship which has like um a a drow altar on it so um that's going to be really interesting to work in now so what I'm basically going to do is introduce a character to her in the town that is talking to her about a follower of being a follower of Lolf get her to go along to a you know like a temple and kind of learn a little bit about the goddess that she apparently follows like maybe somebody in her past like told her about her and she kind of half-heartedly follows but I'm going to kind of teach her in the campaign and teach Millie, who plays Celestia, kind of outside the game, kind of both at the same time by introducing these facts and these NPCs who will teach her about the goddess and stuff. Which means I have to do a bunch of learning. So if anybody's got like good um, websites for learning a bunch of stuff about Lolf, I would really appreciate that. So go, yes, great. Um, really fun thing that happened um to Millie recently as she went and chatted to um Zendros which is a a trader in Saltmarsh um a magical trader in Saltmarsh so I think uh Zendros is kind of going to be one of those figures that like you can't figure out if they're on her side or not on her side because like obviously Zendros is 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 motivated by money but um is she also motivated by loyalty um and so that's going to be really interesting because Millie decided that Celestia is going to try and make friends with Zendros so can't wait to see how that plays out and just what happens there whether she like dobs her in or doesn't dob her in I don't know anything could happen I know I'm the DM and I'm supposed to have all of this stuff figured out but I kind of like to just play and see how it goes so yay um that's gonna happen um and what her present is going to be because I kind of am sort of leading her towards Lolth and, and all of that kind of stuff. And also she's a drow walking around in the sunlight, which she obviously has disadvantage while in. I've decided to give her a parasol made of glossomer webbing, um, like spider webs, basically this um, parasol. So currently really all it does is to make her not have disadvantage in direct sunlight while she's holding her web parasol but um I think basically because she's a sorcerer it's kind of going to act as like a um like a spell magnet and things are going to end up kind of like 
being stored in it, like almost like a wand. And um, the more powerful she gets, the more paras- powerful her parasol gets. Like it'll be able to cast like a veil of like darkness and stuff, um, kind of as as she goes. Um, that's kind of my plan for that, I guess. So it's sort of like a wand, kind of, but it's parasol. Yeah. I don't know. Tell me what you think about that, whether you think that's dumb or not. I, I like the idea in my head. And that's Celestia. Which brings us to, last but not least, Orem Finch, who is played by Simon. Uh, Orem is a human warlock. Um, and so obviously there was a few things to figure out there uh, in terms of who is this dude? Why is he a warlock? Where did he get his power from? Does he know he has power? Did he make a deal knowingly or did he make a deal unknowingly? There was a lot to figure out. Um, what Simon gave to me in his backstory is like his floral secret was that he was dyslexic, which I forget a lot. Um, and I'm going to write it down here really big in big letters because he, um, is a warlock so should be reading like books and spells and stuff but um so sometimes he reads like well and sometimes he doesn't and he actually suggested like roll a d20 to check like how of the book to understand the higher the dc and i was like suggestion accepted um and uh i haven't been very good about putting that in so i will um write that in a note to myself on his character page I have little character pages with notes about them so when I'm dealing with them I write myself notes and stuff and the character pages are getting pretty full I need like books for each of them but that's just crazy I'm not gonna do that I'll probably just start a new page for each of them um anyway so his um person who is important to him um a friend Yet to be named, growing up, still alive, we were thicker than thieves, but our lives led us down different paths, but we still try and communicate when we can. Uh, and then something personal you carry on you that isn't mentioned. Uh, I wear what appears to be a simple signet ring around my neck made from bronze. And I was like, okay, you've written appears to be, do you have any thoughts on that? And he was like, no, I just wanted you to think that I think it could be cool if it wasn't just a ring, but I don't know what it would be. And I was like, cool, that's kind of my favorite sort of stuff. Like, like mysterious but lots of room from that um we've had a couple of games obviously together as we've been going through um and I've been doing different things to people's objects just to see how they interact with them most of the time not really getting much of a reaction but I dropped um Simon's ring because he like crit failed something and they were walking in mud and I was like okay so you know you trip over you fall flat on the fat your face rah, 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 that happens I'm um, but also you st- when you go to stand up, you notice your bronze signet ring is like just in the mud. Like you do notice that. I'm not going to let you like run away and not notice that. But you notice that. And he was like, oh, I like freak out. I put my foot on it and like, you know, try and hide it from everybody so that they can't see it and stuff. And I was like, oh, interesting reaction. Cool. I'll file a better way. And then later on, he was talking about how in some downtime, he was cleaning off this ring because he remembered that it was covered in mud and he wanted to like clean it. Like, and I was like, interesting. And I was like, okay, so how does holding the ring make you feel? And he was like, oh, I don't really know in character. And I was like, okay, why don't we write down four words, like four random words, like happy, sad, angry, like whatever I can't remember what the fourth one was and we'll just roll for it and he was like oh I like that idea so we did that he rolled he got happy like it makes him feel happy so he's like reminded of something happy or it it's got good memories or good feelings or whatever attached to it right so I was like okay cool interesting cool so I was like okay so it's going to be sentimental probably it's going to be memories of somebody um from another time like in his life or whatever and then we started talking about it because obviously I just wanted to get them playing and I wanted to get them used to the game and I wanted to get them starting to um interact with NPCs and the game and stuff but now I want them to start interacting with their own characters more you know like we've been playing for a while and and I just really wanted to draw them back to their character shades there's more here there's more stuff for us to explore let's let's delve into all of this now um and so I was like cool so like who is your who is your dude? Who gave you, you know, who have you got your packed with, you know? And um, we were talking a bit about that. Um, 
and he sort of didn't really know who the demon or devil or fiend or whatever it was that he had a pact with he didn't know that particularly um but he did kind of know that he had some thoughts around it like he had some thoughts that he had made a deal about um getting more power uh for for his character obviously like he'd been researching something uh, in a library maybe with somebody else or whatever um doing some research uh and when he did made this pact he he made a memory pact like he had to sacrifice a memory of someone he cherished and the ring is the only thing he has left of this person um and that's like kind of the pact that he made or whatever and I was like okay cool um that's that's totally something I can work with but what I've decided is because he doesn't really know anything about the demon or um the the conditions of the pact I've kind of decided that his character doesn't really know either he just thinks he made some kind of pact and obviously was fulfilled because he's got like power now and he hopes that the guy doesn't whoever he is uh doesn't come back um and that's because the memories that he stole were of the person that he was working with his partner like maybe his kind of almost girlfriend like he hadn't quite got together with her yet but he was planning on it like they were doing research together and he really liked her and he cherished her and he just you know they weren't quite there yet or whatever he stole the memories of her um in order to give him the powers but they were bargaining for the powers to beat something like maybe the scarlet brotherhood like maybe they were trying to beat the the leader of the scarlet brotherhood and so they went to this demon and they were like can you help us be powerful enough to beat the scarlet brotherhood or whatever and the demon was like yeah sure all you have to do is give me all of your memories of this person here and he was like okay seems good uh like i'll sacrifice my love because you know, I will be taking down something bad, essentially. Um, but what happened, of course, is when all of his memories of her got taken, they were all involved in um, them researching to to beat this big bad evil. Um, so he now no longer remembers what he was even researching, why he made the pact in the first place, who he made the pact with, anything. It's all gone because demons are tricky and he didn't specify. So he took everything. Um, and now he's just wandering around being like, oh, this ring makes me feel good. Uh, I don't really know where my powers come from. I hope that doesn't come back to bite me. Um, and of course it absolutely will. So, uh, I'm going to give him again, like kind of nightmares, kind of little memories that come back, like, um, feelings of deja vu when he's in a library researching stuff, like that kind of stuff. I'm just going to bring that back in until it gets to the point where he sort of remembers more of what happened and maybe his powers are like slipping or maybe they're getting strong like you know like there's a bit of to and fro there because um they are currently uh already engaged in fighting the scarlet brotherhood so they're already wanting to fight the scarlet brotherhood so it would make sense for as he's discovering how to beat the scarlet brotherhood for memories to come back of this pastime that they were trying to beat the scarlet brotherhood you know i think he's going to find that this lady is still alive. Um, I'm not sure if she's going to be still alive and kind of still kidnapped and tormented by this demon or whatever. Like, is she still good? Is she still fighting? Or has the demon won and turned her and she's now evil and she now works with the demon or the Scarlet Brotherhood or whatever? I'm not actually quite sure about that yet. I'm still working that through in my head. So if you have any thoughts about what might be cooler or what um, you think might be more fun or whether you think I should just wait and see what his reaction to some of those little snippets and little drops should be and see how I play it, uh, let me know, basically, because I'm still playing with that whole thought in my head currently. Yeah. So it makes sense for Simon's gift, for Aram's gift, uh, to be around the ring to me it makes sense um he's a warlock it like rings are kind of very wizardy things like rings with like abilities kind of inbuilt into them um 
there's a running joke at the moment that Simon cannot hit the basically the side of a barn door. Uh, he has been like rolling like crap every time he tries to attack with his like magic spells, which pretty much should hit most of the time anyway, because he's warlock and he's just like firing off these bolts and stuff. He just keeps missing. So um, I'm going to give the ring uh, one uh, once a day advantage to hit. So he just uses his ring to give himself advantage to hit once a day currently like that's what it would be now and I think um as he levels it'll get like things like um advantage to hit or maybe it's an auto hit once a day or um different spells are stored in it like um he can rub it and different things happen or whatever like that kind of stuff kind of happens um to him it doesn't mean that I by the way this doesn't mean that I won't give my players other things or they won't pick up other magic items and stuff as they go I just want one thing that kind of moves with them and grows with them and changes with them um that I can kind of play with as well yeah so that's gonna be his um yeah I think that's everything yeah that's everything so that's Aram. Okay, time to wrap this up because this has been a really long episode. I didn't actually realize how long it was going to take to talk through all of my characters and I'm so sorry if this bored you to tears. I hope you found it interesting. I really enjoyed thinking out loud and getting some of the stuff out of my brain. It was really good and I really hope that my players listened to their warning and did not listen to that or I'm kind of screwed actually. So yeah, uh, <laughs> I hope they better than I am or as good as I am because I don't actually go into cupboards where I know that there are Christmas presents because I like surprises so I hope they do too anyway it's time to wrap this up so um I would love your call-ins if you have any thoughts so please use the anchor app and um give me messages um that would just make my day it's obviously been a couple of really hard weeks so um yeah <laughs> that would be nice. Um, personal thanks to um, my gems, Lucas, Charles, Scott, Glenn, James, Jason, and Barry. I could not do what I do without you. And I'm here still on my phone hoping that this is okay. And I'm so sorry. Um, yep. I don't know what else to say about that. Um, and thank you to everyone who is listening. Your um, continued kind of support uh, means a lot to me. Um, and I really appreciate you choosing this podcast out of the multitude of amazing podcasts that there are out there to listen to uh, Talking RPG. Uh, thank you to Joey for your call-in. That was really nice uh, to hear from you um, officially. I hear from you a lot, but it's nice when you call in still. I like it um next week's episode so the next episode you're going to hear will be an rpg a day takeover um we're going to start rolling into those soon um, i'm really looking forward to doing them so there's going to be a lot of them 31 of them so strap in this is going to get very real so uh jules from nz rpg a day takeover look forward to that um, and if you are enjoying listening to Jules from NZ, please give the show a review on your platform of choice. It all helps a lot. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, all under J-U-L-Z-B-U-R-G-I-S-S-E-R, -S -S -E which is my name, Jules Bergeser. Just search that. No weird letters or numbers or underscores or whatever, because my name is weird enough. So, yep, just my name. And on that note... I just like to say a final inohora kakite ano and aroha nui. Mwah. See you next time when things get real.